This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. This is our first show, my first show of 2017, so I want to take the opportunity to wish everybody a happy and a healthy new year. I hope everybody's holiday season went just as well as it possibly could have gone and everybody uh, enjoyed their families and enjoyed uh, the spirit of the holiday season. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the sponsor of the Doctors' Lounge every week here in uh, on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is a uh, the only physician-led, physician-run, nonprofit healthcare think tank in the country, run by practicing physicians. I want to set the table for 2017 and encourage everybody to put Docs for Patient Care Foundation on their charitable giving list. It's a tax-deductible donation. What we're seeing right now in health care, this is – I don't want to pretend to take credit for what's happening, but I will say this. For the last eight years – People in Docs for Patient Care Foundation have worked tirelessly working with people in all segments of society, politics, public policy, everywhere that healthcare is discussed, to try to work towards what we're seeing right now, which is to get rid of Obamacare and to improve healthcare for everybody. And the only way that that will happen is by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation being strong and being able to continue to do the work that we're doing, and we need your help to do that. So I would hope that everybody would go to the website, d4pcfoundation.org, and make our organization part of your giving for 2017. You can do it with a single contribution. You can do it with uh, a, uh, a monthly contribution um, that happens automatically on your credit card. But it's if you are fed up with the way healthcare has gone and optimistic about what's going to happen, you need to support an organization that has been working in this arena for the last eight years to uh, uh, make this happen, and that's what we are all about. So please uh, um, take the time to do that. There is so much to talk about and so little time, and fortunately we do have an hour, and that gives us an opportunity to develop what is happening in healthcare right now. You cannot pick up a newspaper, you cannot turn on a TV without hearing about healthcare. It is once again front and center in the consciousness of America. It has been um, up and down, and that just tells you the staying power of this issue, how important it is. And uh, we are right now close to seeing Obamacare disappear, go away. Last night, the Senate stayed up late. They did what was necessary to set the table for the next step in an Obamacare repeal. What they did was they voted on a budget resolution, which um, is uh, strangling 
Obamacare financially, and that will then um, allow uh, Obamacare mandates and the provisions of Obamacare to uh, wither on the vine because there will be no money to pay for it. First, what has to happen is that this needs to go to the House, and hopefully the Senate will have this all wrapped up and ready to be delivered to the House of Representatives on Friday. What does all this mean? Well, what it means is that uh, in the next uh, week to 10 days, there will be a number of health care issues, budget resolutions, uh, other uh, types of uh, legislation coming out of Congress that hopefully will be on President Trump's desk ready for him to sign off on. And uh, this is the first step in Obamacare repeal. I wanted to take uh, a, a time in the show today to try to frame this whole uh, issue for everyone because I think that there there are so many different voices speaking about health care right now that it's confusing and and uh, and the narrative that is being developed in uh, in large part is a false narrative and and I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second but all we hear every single day is that Obamacare is going to be repealed and it's going to be replaced and what do we hear we hear from the the Democrats. Well, gosh, you know, if, if, if this is going to hurt millions of Americans because they're going to lose their health care, they are going to die. That's what Bernie Sanders said in the debates yesterday um, in the Senate. We are hearing from the GOP, we are going to repeal Obamacare, and we have a plan to put in its place. And every time I hear that, I cringe because... What are we really talking about? We're talking about the uh, 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 exchanging a plan, which we know is a disaster, for another plan which politicians are trying to tell us is a better plan. At the end of the day, we're still talking about the government in charge of Healthcare, but in a different way, and and that's what we I want to develop today. I want to explain that what we're really talking about in this healthcare debate is not healthcare at all. It's just not. What we're talking about is insurance coverage. We're talking about whether or not somebody with a pre-existing condition will be able to get insurance. We're talking about whether or not people who are 25 years old can stay on their parents' health care insurance. We're talking about whether or not employers have to offer health care insurance to their employees or how are people going to be able to purchase health care. Can they do this across state lines? Um, can they take the insurance with them when they are leaving their job? For all of this energy that's being expended in the health care discussion, nobody is actually talking about health care. We are talking about coverage. So this is a false argument, and, I, and, and people have to recognize this. Another false argument is that there are good things in Obamacare. We've heard President-elect Trump 
being put on the hot seat about this, saying, no, no, we're going to repeal Obamacare because it is a disaster, but we're going to keep the good stuff. So what is the good stuff? What is he talking about? Is he, He's talking about keeping kids on parents' insurance. He's talking about being able to um, not discriminate against individuals who have pre-existing conditions. Let me, let me jump into both of those for just a second. People on their children on their, on their parents' insurance. What is that all about? It's, it's about the fact that there are um, goodies, there are features that needed to be put into a comprehensive health care plan to um, sweeten it a bit so that the sour taste of Obamacare didn't seem quite as bad. The sting of the taxes and of the um, the decreased um, availability of physicians or the the um, the high deductibles, um, the the difficulty getting insurance because of the uh, fact that there are very few companies participating in healthcare exchanges. All of these bad features needed to be offset by some sweeteners that made people say, oh, this isn't so bad, and forget all the bad stuff because of the, quote, good stuff. In, in Years ago, there were healthcare policies that insurance companies wrote for young individuals. Many, many people... Um, you know, didn't uh, even bother getting insurance, but a lot did. And I'm not talking about children, you know, uh, that were that were dependents of their parents. I'm talking about people, kids who graduated from college. They were young. They were between 22 and 30. They were healthy. They didn't get sick, but they needed to have a a, a hedge against a catastrophic event. They needed to have insurance, real insurance. Well, those insurance policies were cheap. They cost, you know, like $100 a month, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But they were cheap. They were available. People would say, why are you buying that for it? You don't need that. But people bought it. And, and it, was, it was actually, you know, not difficult to get insurance um, for a catastrophic event. Try doing that today. You can't do it. Why can't you do it? It's because of government regulation. And it's not just the federal government. I don't want you to think this is all about Obamacare. When we're talking about the mess that we're in in health care, there are a lot of dirty hands in this. You know, there are 50 state insurance commissioners, and they are all beholden to special interests, to the insurance industry, insurance companies, who give them lots of money to fund their campaigns. So every state has their own minimum requirements, mandates that an insurance policy sold in that state must comply with. So there were certain, there's variability, of course, across the country in different states, but there were always mandates in place. Obamacare just made it worse because it expanded them and it made it 
um, a uniform across the country. But what has happened is because of those minimum essential benefits, the insurance companies can no longer write those policies for the 25-year-olds or the 22-year-olds or the 28-year-olds. And and so so they're stuck and they need to be on parents' insurance because there's no other alternative for them except to buy an insurance policy that will cost more money than they may be making in some cases. And what happens if you are a 24-year-old and your parents don't have an insurance policy that they can put you on? Well, you are stuck, my friend, because there is no longer that market that you can go to and buy that cheap insurance policy for $800, you know, $1,000 a year. You are, you are having to pay the same rate that everybody is paying because of the Obamacare mandates. So this is a smokescreen, this keeping kids on your insurance. It, is, it destroyed an insurance market that once existed and uh, was, was thriving. The insurance companies are glad that this is there because it gives them an opportunity to actually make more money. They don't want to write those policies even though they rarely had to pay off on them, they they were not a big a big money maker for them. But but uh, it was it was a book of business that they that they uh, had that was easy for them to uh, to write policies for. the The other thing is the pre existing condition business. Now this is terrible. I mean, I I have a sister who has MS, and and I know how difficult it is for her to get insurance, and. Um, and and I and pre-existing conditions is a real problem, and insurance companies should not deny people um, insurance based on pre-existing conditions. But let me just ask the rhetorical question: Should the insurance companies pick up a hundred percent of that risk? Is it really the insurance company's um, uh, problem about the pre-existing conditions? Um, the other thing is that um, the the pre-existing condition issue um, is is one where the the uh, and, and we're running out of time and I'm gonna uh, the thought that I have to develop is going to take more than than uh, the thirty seconds we have left. So let me pick up on this when we get back in the next segment on the doctor's lounge and talk about the false narrative and what's going to happen next in the next three months regarding health care. You're in Doctor's Lounge. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to The Doctor's Lounge, where you get a 
private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Thanks for staying with us in the Doctor's Lounge. This is Hal Schurz, your host. And we are having a discussion today, a one-way discussion, a monologue, on what is happening in healthcare in this uh uh, in the the trying to sort out and dissect through a lot of the um, rhetoric and the smoke and mirrors that we hear on TV and read about in the papers every day. And we talked about the good stuff on Obamacare that Donald Trump wants to keep. And I, I hope I debunked the myth about uh, keeping kids on their insurance, on parents' insurance. The, the pre-existing condition issue is a thornier issue. And, you know, part of the problem right now with that is, again, Obamacare prevents insurance companies from underwriting people based on their health status. The, um, the, that has uh, pretty much been thrown out the window, um, and there is now a uh, uh, guaranteed issue. That means anybody who wants insurance can get it. And the only discriminating factors are age and uh, uh, smoking status. And I think there's a couple of other minor things that have really very little bearing on how to, how to charge for health care insurance. But the, 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 the important point is that, um, you know, if I'm really sick, should I be paying a little bit more for insurance than, than uh, my, my next-door neighbor who is incredibly healthy? if we're the same age and all the other demographics are, are the same. And that's a, that's a, you know, a philosophical question that, that each and every person um, has to answer for themselves. And, and my answer is yes, I think that everybody does because there's a certain amount of personal responsibility that people need to take, but that does not exist right now. But there are ways around this thorny issue, and, and we'll, we'll develop that in, in the next few segments. But there are things that um, can uh, offset these pre-existing conditions that work very well right now and have been working f- throughout Obamacare. You know, whenever there's a problem in this country, there are so many smart people in America who look for solutions to offset problems. And one of the um, the uh, pr- one of the solutions that came out of Obamacare are the cooperatives where you have people like the Christian sharing, uh, care sharing uh, cooperatives where people um, uh, join them and they uh, pay for expensive care um, and, and they uh, kind of co- collaboratively uh, offset costs. These, these risk-sharing arrangements are an excellent example and can be expanded, and and that's one of the ways that the GOP has uh, advocated for uh, 
taking care of the part of the um, uh, the uh, high risk uh, pool of patients and and uh, so so these arguments that the left are are um, putting out there about about what we have to be careful of when we are trying to get rid of Obamacare. I just want to say this one one last time. The left is directing the the um, this 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 entire issue, just like they do with other issues. Climate change being a perfect example. If you don't accept that notion of climate change, which according to the left is is a hundred percent settled and there's no debate, then you are a climate denier and you're a Neanderthal. You are you're stupid. You are you're obstructionist. You're you're just not a good person. And they've done the same thing in healthcare. They've they've um, created a narrative that. Uh, well, we have to we have to be there for everybody, and we have to uh, provide for for uh, people's needs. That's that's the role of of our government, and they now have um, positioned Obamacare in in the same uh, way of, as an entitlement as Medicare and Medicaid, and trying to make it into a sacred cow that can't be um, uh, overturned. Um, when in fact it, it's never been that, and uh, they can't um, make something up that is not true. Although they will try to do that, and they're doing a very good job of it. And um, the the GOP cannot fall into the trap of accepting the premises of the left and be on the defensive. They need to be on the offensive and use facts to show that. Obamacare doesn't work. That government um, oversight oversight is is important, but government control is is a bad thing for individuals. So, step next step. What can we expect to happen in the next uh, two weeks? In the next uh, two months? In the next two years? Well, I think that that uh, there's going to be bills passed in Congress that will be on President Trump's desk, like I, like I said in the last segment. And a lot will depend on the appointment of the people on the health care team that uh, Trump has uh, put forth, um, one of which is our good friend, Sen- uh, Congressman Dr. Tom Price, um, who has been nominated as the Secretary of HHS. The other is uh, Seema Verma as the head of CMS. And I'll talk about both of them in just a second. But the, the, uh, these positions um, are going to be critical in terms of what happens. And, and I have very little doubt that uh, these people will be confirmed. All we need is 51 votes for these um, confirmations, thanks to Harry Reid, and um, and that's going to happen. But it's going to be a they're going to try to bloody uh, Dr. Price. They've already tried. They've tried to uh, make it seem like he is um, using his political um, uh, influence to uh, to uh, feather his own nest. He made 
uh, investments, stock investments in publicly traded companies. And, uh, and they're trying, the left is trying to say, oh, that was a bad thing because he made policies that, uh, that affected the, uh, the stocks. And so he had insider information. Well, gosh, you know what? If that's the case, then we can't let anybody in Congress have any uh, role in their own personal finances anymore. This has just gotten out of hand. And again, you cannot allow the left to steer this narrative. And they're going to try and they're going to make Tom look bad, but he couldn't be a more principled, more knowledgeable person He's the right man for this job, and he's and he should get it. And when he does get it, then we're going to start to see some things happen. But what can be done immediately? Well, we've already seen the Senate um, pass their um, pass their budget resolution, which will go to the House. And don't forget, last year Congress passed a budget resolution that President Obama vetoed. It called for the repeal of the individual and employer mandates for uh, an end to Medicaid expansion, uh, for the end of the, uh, the um, sweetheart uh, deals that uh, certain special interest groups got uh, for Obamacare, the exemptions that we heard about over the years that um, certain groups were exempt if they knew certain politicians. It called for the repeal of the medical device tax and the Cadillac tax on health care plans. It also stripped the government of its authority to run the exchanges, and it lessened the fine for com- failing to comply with the mandate to zero dollars. It didn't eliminate the, the mandate because it is statutory. It means it's the law. But how much they charge for violating that law is discretionary, and it could be changed by Congress, and they did. They changed it to zero. So so these are the things that were in the last bill that a president was uh, uh, presented with and was vetoed. This president will not veto this. So when Senator when, – when, rather, when uh, Congressman Price, uh, Secretary of HHS Price, uh, gets into uh, his position – what he can do immediately is he can uh, roll back a few regulations because don't forget, thanks to the Democrat Congress, the Secretary of HHS has almost uh, imperial powers over health care. Um, more, more than several hundred times in the Affordable Care Act, it says the Secretary shall the secretary may, the secretary can. These are things that are not enumerated and not elaborated. It's basically widespread discretionary power that the secretary of HHS has when it was um, uh, Kathleen Sebelius. It was a bad thing because she is a leftist and a statist. When it will be Tom Price it will be an entirely different matter because his views on health care are consistent with putting power back into the hands of patients and taking it away from government. And that's why the left is trying to discredit him and bloody him and make him look bad because nobody knows health care 
better than Tom does, and he knows what's happened is is wrong. And what he's going to do is he's going to get rid of what I said before was holding back the health care market, insurance market, which is the essential benefit requirement. And he'll he'll repeal that and he will allow insurance companies to start writing policies right away. So make make no mistake about it. When he starts to implement these changes, it's not going to happen right away. There's usually a six-month lag. And so don't let the left, again, steal this argument that there's no replacement that can be put in place right away. What has to happen is the groundwork needs to be set up. Usually when the um, the legislation is put in place when the regulations are put in place and the insurance companies know what they need to be doing or what they can do, when businesses know what they need to do and they can predict what their costs are going to be, then we're going to start to see changes. But there's a lag time between when that finally gets put into place and when it happens. And so that will happen um, sometime six to 12 months later. And I'll, I'll elaborate on this again and, and expand on this um, when we get back into the doctor's lounge. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're back in the doctor's lounge with your host Hal Schurz, and uh, I'm not gonna. I'm going to try to get right back into the discussion because they're, we're covering a lot of ground, and we were talking about what the next steps are with uh, the incoming secretary of HHS, Tom Price, after he gets confirmed. So he'll get rid of the essential benefit requirement, and this will open up the insurance industry so that they can go ahead and start writing the kind of policies that we have not seen in a long time. 
Um, this will allow for insurance companies to once again underwrite people. It, they will be able to write um, policies that are customizable, that don't have uh, the full range of, of benefits, but rather have benefits that people need and want. Why should a 50-year-old have to pay for maternity benefits? I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. So this is this is what's going to happen immediately. The other thing that's going to happen, there's a pool of money that is sitting in HHS and CMS accounts that are earmarked for the insurance companies. This is money that is uh, the insurance companies were hoping for. They think they were promised this. Um, it has been put on hold mostly because of uh, the efforts of a few people in the Senate, Marco Rubio in particular, who uh, um, noticed that, who made it, made it uh, a, uh, a, uh, one, one of his uh, missions to stop these payments from being made to the insurance companies. And they were being paid for to be made whole as participants in Obamacare. You know, the, you heard about, and I've talked about this on the show previously, how insurance companies um, claim to have lost lots of money, millions if not billions, in, in the insurance exchanges. And that's true, except that the other regulations of Obamacare have resulted in the insurance companies making record profits more than they had ever made in their history. And so net-net, they came out way ahead in uh, under Obamacare, and yet they want to recoup money for the book of business that they lost money on, which was the Obamacare exchanges. And Marco Rubio said, not so fast. And so this money is being held up in, in HHS and CMS and is uh, under review in, in litigation. And uh, Obama is was hit, Obama and his administration has been trying to get that money to the insurance companies, and um, it has been held up. And with Tom Price as the secretary of HHS and Seema Virma as the um, director of uh, CMS, um, the uh, this these payments will will hopefully um, not just be held up, but will be eliminated, and that money will be returned to the Treasury. And we're talking about ten to twenty billion dollars here, not not insignificant dollars. So these are the things that will happen, you know, when Tom Price becomes the secretary of HHS. There can also be a, uh, a, a presidential task force set up um, with uh, HHS, Treasury, Labor, to work with the key committees of jurisdiction in the House and the Senate and recommend swift action to undo the damage of Obamacare and set priorities for corrective action. And um, and that probably will help to um, uh, take some of the pressure off the period of time between making these changes and actually see them uh, be implemented. Because what we're talking about are plans that the left is saying don't exist and the GOP is saying, no, we have plans, and they do have plans. And there have been um, a, a number of plans that GOP lawmakers have uh, have put forth over 
the past uh, eight years, and I've got a list of them that uh, there are, I think, on this list well over uh, 40, close to 50 plans that uh, have been uh, uh, proposed in in the uh, Congress to uh, fix health care. But at the end of the day, there are um, three competing plans. One is the better way, which was Paul Ryan's plan, um, and it is a 38-page health care plan that is part of the greater GOP vision for America, which is called A Better Way, and you can go to their website, and I'm not going to go through it because it's very, very intense and, and intensive and and uh, gets into the weeds, but it is, it is very comprehensive and it does exist. Um, there are also, there's also the Tom Price plan. Don't forget, Tom is an MD and has been working in Congress in every Congress for the last four Congresses. He has uh, 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 put forth his plan, Empowering Patient First Act. And uh, it has features in there that as the uh, – it, it really empowers patients. It gives the control of health care back to the patients. And um, there's a lot – you know, I don't uh, – uh, again, I'm not going to get into the minutiae of these plans, but just go to their websites. You can read about it and understand that if you've got the secretary of HHS – who has been involved in health care issues for his entire time in Congress and has put forth plans to fix the health care system. And you've got the Speaker of the House who has been in, 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 in the lead in putting together um, a, another health care plan, working with the chairman of all the committees of distinction, don't you think that there really is a plan in place? It's just getting everybody to agree to it. And there are a lot of other players who have their own ideas about health care. Uh, there's uh, Bill Cassidy, who who is a senator, who is a congressman. He's an MD. He's a gastroenterologist. He also knows about health care. He's got ideas. There are some others who, who have... Uh, uh, their own uh, thoughts about health care, but suffice it to say that there are lots of people who have good ideas. And the features of, of these plans are all pretty much the same. It's to expand HSAs, health savings accounts, so that you make them into a, pl- a plan that is uh, uh, people... Let, let me let me say this a different way. When I look at health care, and we talk about this all the time when we talk about direct primary care and catastrophic care, I look at health care like there are three layers of care. There's the care that your regular doctor can give you, and that's not expensive at all. And, and it's been proven that it can be um, given for as little as $40 a month by a doctor who will provide the most incredible care to you. That's direct primary care. It does not involve an insurance company. It does not involve um, uh, anything uh, other than a patient and a doctor having a uh, relationship both um, uh, personally, professionally, and also financially. 
then there's catastrophic care, the people who get sick with a bad, bad problem or who get a chronic disease or who are in an accident or get cancer. So those are the two ends of the spectrum of health care. And then there's the middle, which I call intermediate care. And what is intermediate care? You break your arm. You need a gallbladder out. You... Uh, you know, you develop hypertension and you need a regular medication that is maybe a little bit more expensive than your average over-the-counter generic medication. So this is, this is where uh, HSAs come in because if you could put money away either tax-exempt or get a tax credit if you don't make enough money, um, or tax, ta- not tax exempt, but but you get um, it's it's tax deductible. You um, you can pay for your intermediate care with the dollars that you've put away for your health savings account. Right now, that's tied to insurance. You have to go through your insurance in order to access your HSAs, and that's ridiculous. That should not have to happen, and it doesn't need to. Insurance portability. That's a big feature. You need to be able to move with your insurance. And uh, and incidentally, let me just say this. I'm going to give a plug for Docs for Patient Care because um, in 2010, we came out with our prescription for healthcare reform. And, um, and I have a picture of myself in uh, Paul Ryan's office before he became part of the leadership, but when he was involved in the budget and when he was very interested in health care, holding up a Docs for Patient Care t-shirt, and he and I had a great discussion about health care reform, and I shared with him our prescription, and he said, this all makes sense, a lot of this stuff, you know, where we're thinking about or we're already talking about, but all the features of our prescription for health care reform are part of the GOP better way. You know, the Docs for Patient Care prescription for health care reform says that all Americans need to have access to an insurance market without tax discrimination. It calls for health care insurance becoming true insurance again, not a prepaid health care plan. It calls for families and individuals to own their own health care uh, insurance policies and not be connected or dependent to their employer. We, we advocate for a true national competitive market, buying insurance across state lines, not the artificial Obamacare exchanges that just were doomed to fail from the beginning. We talked about Medicare, Medicaid, and SHIP being uh, transitioned to fiscally responsible programs. Medicaid, Medicaid, excuse me, Medicaid being given back to the states as block grants. And that's going to happen with Seema Verma as the head of CMS, who is the architect of Healthy Indiana and uh, one of the bright minds in terms of how to do block grants to states and make this work. We called for, in our prescription for health care reform, um, the end of current wasteful and dysfunctional medical malpractice system, um, which is resulting in defensive medicine, which means doctors ordering tests to keep from getting sued. And that's a huge cost driver, and I'll get into that in the last segment. Um, we also call for freeing up the market, keeping getting doctors to... Uh, uh, be able to create again instead of being shackled. And that, too, I'll talk about in the last segment. But all of these features were part 
of the prescription for health care reform, which we shared with people in Congress. Docs for Patient Care has been going to Washington since 2008, and um, we have talked to people in Congress about this, and they have... Um, they have embraced these these features of our prescription for health care reform and made it their own. And I'll just talk about a few of the others and then finish up with what the real problem is in the last segment in the Doctors' Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And you're back in the Doctor's Lounge as we finish up this important show on the at the beginning of 2017 as we face down health care and, uh, and actually see some light at the end of the tunnel. So we were talking about the GOP and their plan, which in... Um, a large part incorporates the Docs for Patient Care prescription for health care reform, which can be found on our website, d4pcfoundation.org, under our principles in the top uh, uh, bar on the website. Go to it, and you'll see exactly the things that we have been talking about for almost a decade. And um, and these are now... Um, realistic possibilities of uh, uh, areas where there will be change in health care, the things that we've been talking about and the GOP has embraced. Um, they've talked about um, – I'm just going to run through the list because it is the, it's our list. It's HSA expansion, insurance portability, purchasing insurance on a real national exchange across state lines, customizable policies, Medicaid block grants to the states, opportunities for pooling for high-risk patients, protecting ERISA plans. ERISA plans are plans that businesses engage in um, when they don't want to go through insurance companies, but they're willing to take the risk themselves because they think that they can control health care costs. 
we we dodged a bullet not having a uh, Democrat president because these plans were on the chopping block. They wanted to try to eliminate them, and uh, these have been a uh, a godsend for many businesses who could not afford to give health care to their employees if they uh, had to go um, through standard insurance plans um, and instead of uh, doing it themselves. Medical liability reform, promoting innovation in health care and not mandating it, repealing the ban on physician-owned hospitals, which I'm going to get to in a moment, repealing all of the Obamacare boards, IPAB, which was the uh, really the, uh, the board that was going to determine whether or not um, people were going to uh, be able to get their, their medical problem paid for by the government. Um, or the boards that looked at um, at quality um, and uh, and rationing the rationing boards, which really were there. I'm I'm, I'm uh, you're not going to go into that because we really are running out of time. And then Medicare reform, saving Medicare so that it is there for our children and our children's children. And so. All of these features are part of the uh, uh, GOP plan. Don't let the left convince you that there is no plan. There is a plan, but it's not going to happen immediately. And they're going to try to say, you see, they don't have something to put right in place. And that's because you can't just flip the switch. You've got to go ahead and um, you've got to pass legislation to allow these things to happen. Everything that we've talked about, I'm going to circle back to the very beginning of the show. Everything that we're talking about right now, or many of the things that we're talking about, have nothing to do with health care. They have to do with coverage, with insurance. And the, the arguments that people talk about regarding health care are false arguments. It's like just shifting the chairs on the Titanic. You can't fix health care simply by fixing coverage. You have to fix health care by getting to the root of the problem, which is that health care is too darn expensive. And why is it expensive? It's expensive because the special interests involved in health care are profiting from this more than anybody can even possibly imagine. Healthcare is a $3.2 trillion annual industry. It is now approaching a fifth of our GDP. And there's a lot of money to be made and a lot of industries that are making it. Insurance is making it. Hospitals are making it. Pharmacies are making it. Healthcare IT companies are making it. Any company that's profiting off of the regulations put in the system because when there's regulations, there are going to be, there's going to be a new cottage industry. How to implement those regulations and how to um, really uh, manage in a regulatory environment. Everybody makes money. Who doesn't make money? The people who have to um, pay for health care, the patients, and the people who have to administer it, the doctors. The doctors are... Um, anywhere from 8 to 12 percent of that $3.2 trillion pie. 
they are not the cost drivers and they are the they're victims not as much as patients but they're victims and they don't need to be because the, the doctors are the solution to this problem but they have been made the victims by the special interests who realize that they can keep the doctors down and they can they can control that population the doctors are the ones who are responsible for all the decisions in healthcare in the average day a doctor makes 18 decisions about where a patient should go do they go to a laboratory do they go to a imaging center do they go to the hospital do they go to another doctor they make many decisions they're controlling where the patients are going nobody else in the healthcare delivery system is is really essential except for the doctor who is making these decisions for patients what they should do and where they should go now costs are the driver in healthcare if it didn't cost so much we wouldn't be having this conversation today and there wouldn't be all of this fuss about healthcare about people getting coverage if it costs if healthcare has gone up more than any other um, service or any other commodity in America over the past um, 50 years. It, it's just the way it is. If you look at, at how much it costs to get medication or how much it costs to get an operation, you know, the average person can't afford that, and that's why this third-party business is predominating. If you had a, a, a way to drive those costs down where they belong and let a market economy fix the problem, then we would not have this angst. We would not have this issue. We would not be talking about people can't affording health care or being bankrupt because of health care. That just doesn't need to happen. And so that's the argument. Everything else is just smoke and mirrors and pandering to the special interests. And so how do we control this? Well, the first thing that needs to happen is that we need to eliminate the anti-competitive laws that exist in this country. And it's not just a federal thing. It's a state thing as well. In the federal, at the federal level, there are laws, there are Stark regulations, and this is getting into the weeds, but um, Pete Stark, Pete Forney Stark, was a former congressman from California who championed laws to try to keep doctors down. He, was, he hated doctors. He was a pharmacist who couldn't get into medical school, and he just hated doctors. And so he was uh, on a mission to single-handedly um, uh, throw doctors under the bus and, t- and point out areas where they were doing bad things, self-referring, they were uh, making money on patients. Now, I'm not going to tell you that every doctor is, is, a, is a saint. It's not true. It doesn't that there are, there are going to be problem children everywhere, no matter what industry you look at. But you cannot create laws that handcuff the 98% of good people because of the 2% of bad apples. And it's killed the healthcare industry. It has kept people from being able to create. And instead, people who don't know how to take care of patients, people who are profiteers, 
outside of healthcare are making money on the backs of doctors and at the expense of patients. And that has got to stop. And so from a federal level, they need to get rid of many of the regulations that are anti-competitive. You know, two doctors can't talk about cost because they'll get thrown in jail. But two insurance companies can collude on how much they're going to pay a hospital or a doctor, or two hospitals can sit down and they can figure out how much they're going to charge in the marketplace for the services that they give, and that's okay. Well, it's not okay, and that needs to go away. And when doctors rightfully get back to where they used to be, which is being able to create opportunities for patients and compete in the marketplace, the costs will come down. It's just natural. They will come down. They will not go up. Do not believe that lie, that rhetoric. It just won't happen. It hasn't happened in Oklahoma, where we've talked in this show ad nauseum about the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, where they're able to provide surgeries for between one-fifth and one-tenth of what the competing hospital down the street does the exact same procedure for with the exact same doctor. So the marketplace will fix this problem, but they need to do this on a federal level. You need to do it at a state level. This is why Docs for Patient Care is so important, because we are working with people around the country at the state level trying to turn around regulation which needs to be eliminated so that costs can come down. The certificate of need laws, we talked about this over and over again as well, are laws that are benefiting hospitals that prevent doctors or other entities from competing with existing institutions. And so a surgery center of Oklahoma can't open up in Georgia right now because of certificate of need laws. If that didn't exist, I, with some of my partners and colleagues, would open up a surgery center tomorrow, guaranteed tomorrow, and we would charge, like the surgery center of Oklahoma, one-fifth to one-tenth of what our community hospitals, the behemoths that have bought up all the small hospitals and doctor practices are um, charging here in this community. And that's what's driving up the cost. Imagine if we had tens of thousands of surgery centers like that around the country, what that would do to costs. Competition is what will drive down the the cost. Um, HSAs, we talked about that as well. That's going to be an important way for people to control costs. And I am running out of time, and I can spend another hour on this. Direct primary care, getting insurance out of the way from people's regular everyday care. Um, Tort reform, we've talked about that over and over again. Defensive medicine costs between 200 and 600 billion, billion with a B, dollars per year of unnecessary testing. All of this stuff contributes to the high cost of health care. So these are the things that can happen. We need to get rid of Obamacare. It's happening. It's going to happen. I think I explained how it's going to happen. But we really need to get to the root of the problem, which are the high costs. And when we see those changes and the costs come down, then health care is less of a problem for everybody and it's affordable. We'll be back. I'll be back in two weeks and uh, ne- join my host, Mike Karuchik, next week in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. Thanks for being with us.
You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.